the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Welcome to another jam-packed episode of the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast, the show that helps you plan your dream celebration and crucially enjoy the process. This week, we're talking about the kind of wedding that I think most couples have considered, if only for a few blissfully exciting minutes, destination weddings. Now, Claire and I have made no secret of the fact that we're dying to be invited to a destination wedding and we've featured hundreds of them on the site over the years, so we're well and truly on board with this style of celebration. But we wanted to call in a destination wedding expert to help us answer all of the essential questions around getting married abroad, which is why we've asked Lindsay Moyna on the show with us today. As the founder of House of Hannah, Lindsay specialises in planning destination weddings in Ireland and around the world. She works on some truly one-of-a-kind celebrations, so we expect she'll have lots of advice for making your destination wedding one to remember. I've been spying on Instagram and Lindsay's own wedding was spectacular. Okay, so we all have to go on her Instagram and scroll back. Yes, definitely. Yeah, she had like the most incredibly gorgeous dress. Her tables were stunning. But most of all, it looked like all her guests had the best time. I think that's the number one thing you want from a destination wedding is to feel like it was worth it Mm. as a trip for your guests. So definitely if there's one person who can help us with that element. It's Lindsay, who I believe had 200 guests at her wedding. At her wedding, yes. So a lot of pressure, but she obviously lived up to it. Yeah, and she plans them for a living, so she's definitely very experienced. One Fab Day Expert Wedding Tips. We want you to walk away from each episode of the podcast with some practical knowledge that you can put to use in your own wedding, which is why we've created a slot in the show where we pass on our top pieces of wedding planning advice. Selena has chosen this week's tip. Let's have it. So this tip comes to me from a friend who loved our episode on speeches, but had a tip to add that oh. he received from someone when he was writing a speech and I think it's a really good one it's basically if you're writing a speech doesn't matter who you are in the wedding party you're writing a speech and you're about to write down an anecdote or a little story for your speech just ask yourself the question is this a story about how great I am (laughs) or is it actually a story or an anecdote about how great the couple are how my relationship with them my love for them uh, all of those things are kind of acceptable (laughs) Mm -hmm. but if the story is just about like how you're absolutely gas and everyone should think you're amazing then maybe it's not right for a wedding speech great for your own stand-up comedy routine (laughs) uh but not ideal for a speech and I think it sounds like I'm being a bit facetious with this one but actually it's a really good way of deciphering kind of where you're going with the speech and if a speech is heartfelt and it's given with true love for the couple or whichever member of the couple you happen to be very close to, I think automatically guests are going to respond better to it. So it's a really good tip to take on board. Yeah, all too often speeches can be a bit self-indulgent and a bit like, oh, and me and Sean were backpacking across the Himalayas and he broke his leg. I did all this. Yeah, I saved him (laughs) from that polar bear or whatever. (laughs) Maybe not him. Commonly found in the Himalayas. (laughs) But yeah, it's that idea that It will be so much more sincere if you make it about the couple or the individual that maybe you've been assigned to to talk about. Yeah. And if you've been asked to give a speech at a wedding, chances are it's because the couple want you to give a speech that is going to appeal to all the guests and that everyone is going to enjoy. Mm. And asking yourself this question about your anecdotes and your stories is a really good way to ensure that that is going to happen. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast.
As someone who loves a wedding that's high in impact and low in workload, I just love the idea of a destination wedding. Jetting off to an exotic location with your nearest and dearest for a week-long celebration in the sun could not be a more attractive prospect. Many couples who've had a destination wedding describe it as a big holiday with all of their favourite people, which sounds pretty fabulous to us. But of course, getting married abroad comes with its own unique set of challenges, many of which we hope to address in today's episode. While it's true that a destination wedding has the potential to be cheaper and require less hands-on planning than a wedding at home, there's a whole new batch of things to consider, including language barriers, exchange rates, and the fact that you may be meeting all of your suppliers for the first time on the day of the wedding. We always recommend hiring a planner for a destination wedding, believe us, their knowledge will be invaluable. So it's quite fitting that we have Lindsay Moyna here to discuss some of the most frequently asked questions about getting married abroad. Lindsay's company, House of Hannah, takes a creative approach to planning and styling destination weddings and the results are pretty special. So she's a dream guest for helping us navigate the confusing world of destination weddings. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thanks, Claire. (laughs) So maybe if we get started by if you tell us a little bit about what you do. I own House of Hannah Weddings and Events and I set that up back in late 2013. I was kind of working in the corporate world for a while and had freelance and events before that and had a keen interest in weddings. So I set it up back then and originally as a styling company, but it kind of grew legs and we kind of do full service wedding planning now, both here in Ireland and throughout Europe as well. You had a destination wedding yourself. I did. I got married in Italy back in 2015. We still had 200 guests come over, so it was uh, still quite a large wedding, uh, which was kind of one of the reasons why we went away in the first place. I was trying to not have a wedding for 400 people. So um, (laughs) we've uh, large families on both sides and uh, lots of obviously friends and neighbours and things like that. So I am not very good at culling. So I decided we just invite everybody and whoever could come could come. Um, So we still ended up with 200, which was great. And we do get a lot of couples who come to us and say that they're considering a destination wedding. They really like the idea, but they're just torn between a destination wedding and a wedding at home. Is there any advice that you can give to those couples about sort of how to make the call? Would you recommend like a pros and cons list or? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think when you start planning a wedding whether it's at home or abroad it's hard anyway so to kind of know that in advance but I suppose if you're starting to get anxious over certain things with regards to planning a wedding at home or the numbers kind of spiralling out of the control and, and therefore the costs as well um, like maybe you prefer smaller parties anyway um, you know there's loads of different reasons like that that I, you know maybe you'd like to consider then going abroad if you love going on holidays for example as well that would be a good reason to, to maybe consider it and what sort of an experience that you want to have because ultimately you're spending an awful lot of hard-earned cash Mm. and you don't want to regret anything so an advantage of going away as well is that instead of kind of having one day or maybe like a day two at an Irish wedding you can usually kind of get three days out of it and spend a lot more time with people that are really close to you and just relax into your own big day I know for my own wedding as well a huge part of going away was you know obviously as a wedding planner what I didn't want um, was to be up until 2 3 a.m the night before my wedding fussing over last minute details Mm -hmm. going abroad meant that I had to have everything like completely ready like two weeks in advance because we actually went out to Italy two weeks in advance just to just to relax into it and kind of get in the headspace for for what was about to happen and everything like that so everything was completely done and we just we were so chilled everybody came out really chilled as well I suppose like when you're going away 
you are on holiday so you kind of just have a different state of mind anyway so mm. people just really like let go and, and relaxed and everything like that why I decided to have a destination wedding as well was my two older brothers both got married abroad so they were very different experiences to, to what I'd known beforehand and I just loved the quality time that I got to spend with my five siblings and our parents and our relatives that were able to make it over you know it was just nice to actually be able to kind of feel like you could sit down and have a chat and not be kind of rushing from table to table because we were on a on a clock really for yeah. for the one day so that was a massive advantage for us going abroad and, and another reason why you know if you are considering or, or kind of a bit torn between home and away like what are your priorities is it to have absolutely everybody there that you've you know always hung around with and all family and friends and your parents neighbours and everything like that um, and have a real celebration which is you know really suits some people they love that atmosphere sphere but if that intimidates you or you just kind of can't bring yourself to kind of cutting out certain people in your life um, for the sake of, of a wedding guest list you know maybe you want to consider going abroad and that kind of happens for you along the lines. Well that was actually my next question so you mentioned that some people choose to have a destination wedding to cut back on the guest list or cut down on costs is that realistic can you expect to have less people travel obviously still a lot of people will travel yeah. and is it realistically cheaper to get married abroad I wouldn't say it's cheaper to get married abroad um, I think price per head it actually nearly always works out much of a muchness depending on the type of venue you're you're looking at but I would say you get better value abroad so like say your price per head abroad often includes say like an open bar um, or you know unlimited drinks throughout the drinks reception and dinner or if you're kind of going with um, a venue that offers different packages you know it might include something the night before something the day after so I I still think you end up spending the same even sometimes more price per head but I do think you kind of get more bang for your buck a lot of the time when you do go abroad where you will save though is you know where you might you know have a wedding at home for 200 250 people you know realistically all those people can't go abroad for different reasons you know which which is a massive factor in deciding in the first place whether you want to go because if it's like very close family or friends that can't travel for health reasons or something like that obviously that's going to have a massive impact on your day there might be a pregnancy or a brand new baby so the guest list does tend to to kind of shrink down but you'll still really enjoy the wedding that you have with the people that can make it. So it's kind of taking that out of your hands a bit, but you need to be okay with it, I think, and Mm. just be happy Mm. that who can make it will really make your your wedding day really special and know that the ones that aren't there are thinking of you all day long. They will be sending you messages and everything like that. You know, coming back to people that can't travel, like I remember one of the considerations for ourselves, my, my grandmother was still alive at the time and... You know, I was like, God, like, you know, I'd love her to be there. Of course, you'd love your, your Nana to be there. But when it came down to it, if we got married in Ireland, she actually probably wouldn't have made our Irish wedding either. She was kind of just at, at a stage in her life where going out the door, or going anywhere outside of five, ten minutes from the home, you know, wasn't comfortable for her. Mm-hmm. So uh, if she had come to a wedding at home, it might have only been for an hour. And I know she wouldn't have wanted us to make the decision of getting married at home based on that. So she'd have wanted us to, to do what we felt was right for us. So you will generally cut down on the guest list just because of people's lives and different things happening that they unfortunately won't be able to make it. What I will say is though the people that you think that might not come 
usually do. (laughs) (laughs) We always say in the show that if you invite us to a destination wedding, we're just going to make it happen because we're so dying to go to one. So don't count us out. Yeah, and that is the other thing as well. I mean, I wouldn't bank on people not going either because like I know for us, everyone we invited, we hoped they could all come, you know, but we Mm. knew that wasn't going to happen just through logistics. But as I said, you know, people that we thought maybe wouldn't be able to make it, you know, they were just really looking forward to a weekend away in Rome and Mm. they made things happen so that they could come and they tied it all in together. A lot of people made it their holiday that summer. So it cut down, I suppose, expenses for them as well. Instead of going to Spain or somewhere like that, they just decided we'll just go do two weeks in Italy and, and tie the wedding in with that. So never assume that a lot of people will drop off. It can be anything from 50% to to 80% that will attend you know it just depends on the time of year how far away you're going how close it is to the airport and everything like that but yeah I would never assume one way or the other and be prepared for both scenarios for sure. It must be quite overwhelming to have 200 people make that effort for you though. I mean it was surreal but it was so great I mean it didn't feel like 200 people because we got married in this Italian village basically and we had the run of the place but we got to spend so much time with everybody that it still felt like a small wedding which is what I really really wanted I didn't want to feel like I was hopping from one person to the Mm -hmm. next for the sake of doing it because they had come over I I really actually got to sit down with everybody and enjoy their company which you know after going to so much effort to planning a wedding in the first place all I wanted to do and all my husband wanted to do our, our families wanted to do was to spend time with each other yeah. so it was such an advantage um we we kind of milked it though like we did go on holidays the week before as well <laughs> and um we stayed on for another week and some family came with us the week after as well so about a week before the wedding all of my immediate family came out and their partners and some best friends and we took over a villa we had an amazing holiday we probably wouldn't have done it other than than that we were getting married there but it was such a great holiday if we had just done that it would have been enough so when I look back at my own personal like experience of getting married I I wouldn't say we had a wedding day we had more of an experience a wedding weekend the day itself where I got into the dress and everything like that was obviously incredible but like the night before was incredible the day after was great you know so it was the whole the whole experience God you're really selling it (laughs) it sounds so nice and actually yeah a lot of couples we feature on the site do have that thing where like immediate friends or immediate family and uh, like a load of friends as well went for a full week Mm. which is just something you might never get to do again in your whole lifetime so it is a really special thing to do it is if you are okay with you know certain people not being able to make it and that kind of like my own sister actually just got married a couple of weeks ago in Ireland and out of six kids you know my two older brothers and myself have gotten married abroad and my next younger sister is getting married abroad next year so Kylie really is like the first person to get married at home and she's such a home bird and she loved all of our weddings abroad and as well I suppose um, her fiance or her husband's family as well you know she wanted to consider what what they would like to do as well and on what he would like to do and ultimately for them you know having experienced both you know home was right for them and they had a, a big wedding at home and they had a great second day as well and you know all the people that 
that she hoped could be there were able to make it logistically worked out far easier um, Mm -hmm. in many ways. So there's so much to be said for both options. But I think you just have to really sit down with your future husband or wife to be and just kind of imagine yourselves being a guest at your own wedding. And, you know, what what would you like to experience? I think when you're paying for most of it, it's very important that you please yourself and have um, no regrets. And, you know, those that come along with you for the experience, you know, they will only enhance it and um, everybody will have a great time. For couples who might say, oh, I really want to be very hands on at my wedding. I want to like get stuck in with all the details. Would you say a destination wedding isn't necessarily going to be the greatest option for them? You're just adding on an awful lot of extra stress. I mean, I'm not saying don't do those things, but, you know, you need to then plan accordingly. You need to work with your venue or with your planner to make sure that you can ship some of these things in advance. So like, you know, detailed table plan displays or escort cards or place cards, those kind of details traveling with them can be quite difficult they could get lost so you know shipping them in advance is probably a better option but again you're adding to expense and really when you go away I think it's a different type of wedding when you get married in a hotel or a place here you're kind of trying to make it you know more unique and more your your own especially if it's a venue that's kind of used to having lots of weddings in and out at any given month whereas when you go away it's more about the experience and the atmosphere I think than than the, the detail um, when you go abroad having said that of course I did a load of stuff that myself, <laughs> myself um, and you know and I love detail but I'm into that you know if you're not normally into that sort of stuff I would make the most of the of the venue and what they have to offer and then pick your battles you know in terms of what you can carry over paper goods is actually a good one to bring yourself because it's it's relatively small you can bring it with you and hand it over to a venue or, or a planner and they can dish it out but I wouldn't be planning like massive big projects or hoping always to recreate what you might find easily at home abroad mm. so confront the reality of having four suitcases <laughs> yeah and absolutely. ask yourself whether yeah. that will be worth it yeah exactly um so for any of our listeners who are now convinced and they want to have a destination <laughs> wedding which is probably many where probably do you get started oh gosh um where do you get started um yeah i mean if you're thinking of getting married abroad i would first look at the different countries that are available to you whether you want to stick with Europe or, or go further afield. Um, if it's very important for you to have, say, a legally binding ceremony, a lot of countries are kind of ruled out immediately. France, for example, there's a 40 day residency requirement there. So unless you're kind of planning to move there for a few months before the wedding and, you know, set up home there and whatever <laughs> else, it's not really practical. Um, but having said that, a lot of people go to France and sort out the, the civil side of things before they leave and then they have a really beautiful just as important symbolic ceremony over there whereas say if you go to Italy you can have a legally binding ceremony in a Catholic church so that might be very appealing to some people so work out where you'd first of all like to go if there's any countries you've been to before that you feel very comfortable in or do you want a brand new experience and, and go somewhere where you, you've never been and just you know hope that'll be <laughs> as beautiful as, as you'd imagine so yeah after picking the country I would then probably look at investing in a planner because that whole time versus money thing if you have a job for example where you just don't have that extra time to kind of pump into there is more research required when you're getting married abroad you know whereas you can look for referrals here or in Ireland or wherever you live you know it's it's a little bit harder when you're kind of getting married away from what you're you're used to or what's normal for you so you just need a little bit of extra time um, and if you don't have that I would definitely say you know look at, at investing and 
and in a planner and, and working closely with somebody who you get on really well with and that you believe can create the sort of wedding you would create for yourself. And in terms then of going on your venue search, mm-hmm. which is going to be another big uh, to do on your list, how would you kind of suggest couples go about that? And is there anything to be done if you're not able to travel to see the venue in person? Yeah, well, if you say a book, a, a wedding planner, they'll be able to present a lot of venues. They'll do a lot of that heavy lifting for you and, and be able to present a number of different venues that are hopefully going to fall within budget for you as well and, and your estimated guest count. If you want to do most of this by yourself, I would consider the travel first of all like when you land in whatever country you're going to go to you know how far do you want to then travel having um, either docked at the port or landed at the airport I don't know will your guests really appreciate an eight hour journey after maybe mm. traveling for a few hours um, on a flight so I would kind of limit the search area close to airports that are near where, wherever you're living or wherever most of your guests are coming from like I live in Ennis now but like Shannon doesn't really fly into Italy so everyone's going to have to fly from Dublin so we looked at all the airports in Italy that had direct flights from, from Dublin available and kind of centred our searches um, within kind of an hour and a half to two hours around those areas so that's how we did it um, and how I would recommend other people kind of start there as well in terms of the style of venue though it's a bit similar to here you can either go for a, a kind of a mainstream hotel and um, that will offer great packages and um, really good price points but they could be more of a chain style hotel and maybe that's what you're trying to get away from if you're going abroad maybe you want something that's a bit more in keeping with the locality a villa a chateau so I think you need to first of all decide on the type of venue that you'd ideally like to have your wedding in it should be similar to what you would go for if you're getting married at home if you can kind of first of all tease out that style that you're looking to go for and then see what's within budget after that we're so fortunate now I feel especially in the last couple of years like Instagram is a massive help I think when it comes to venue searches and searching for vendors abroad like it's so much easier now than it was even when I started um, only a number of years ago you know between hashtags and everything like that and you know you might come across one vendor if they're not available they'll be able to point you in the direction of somebody else or you know even just looking at comments sometimes leads to other people that are working in that same line of work as them and it's the same for for venues or if you follow a photographer for example that you really like their style where have they shot before where have they worked with before what other vendors have they worked with and it all starts to kind of link up um, Mm. pretty nicely if you can kind of spend a bit of time just navigating your way through but I find nowadays that like Instagram's a great little help when it comes to, to planning it's a, it's a great tool we use it all the time and um, to kind of scope out new talent and see who's available because obviously we're based here but we do a lot of work in in Italy and in France like when we go abroad to be honest everybody speaks English now anyway so it's not really a massive big deal and, and we're very familiar with both Italy and France in particular so it's as easy to us now as it is planning a wedding here but certainly when it comes to looking for new fresh vendors and things like that we love using Instagram so it's a great one for finding venues Um, just search those hashtags wedding in Tuscany <laughs> wedding venue in Tuscany or in France or whatever it may be and it'll be amazing what you'll find and maybe Instagram is the answer to this one too but obviously a lot of couples falter when it comes to knowing who's a reliable planner you're putting all of your trust maybe in this one person and it can be so hard to know if you're going to be able to rely on them to have everything 
as you'd like it on the day. So how do you find someone that you can trust to plan your wedding? Of course. Well, I, I think that question would apply for both here and abroad. I think you need to just really spend time looking at their previous work and look at all the options you have available to you. There'll be plenty of planners that are available in in these countries, but really look at their past body of work. They should be able to share galleries of photographs with you and testimonials from other couples. But as you said, Instagram would be a great way to kind of suss them out further. You know, how active are they? Um, Do they work well with other vendors? Um, What sort of places are they working in? But with every vendor, whether it's a planner, photographer, florist, you have to really like what they're doing already, I feel, to invest in them. I wouldn't be expecting for them to change just, you know, for what you want Mm -hmm. Um, you will find what you're looking for if you look hard enough for it but I would definitely just spend a nice bit of time looking through what they've already created or what they've already done for somebody and see how experienced they are always get on a phone call with them a video call you know spend time emailing if it's a planner specifically that you're talking about I think when it comes to booking say somebody local versus bringing somebody over with you I think it just boils back down to that relationship that you have with that person it's very easy to plan nowadays I think if you're you're a wedding planner for example whether you're planning a wedding in the country you are residing in or a country fairly close to you there's not much of a difference most of things are of the planning for us anyway certainly done through email and phone conversations uh, you know people aren't that available to meet you in person anyway no matter where you are so yeah. um, for us it's it's done that way regardless of whether the couple's getting married in Ireland or, or getting married abroad and obviously the styles and trends of the aesthetic elements of a wedding will differ hugely from country to country and if you're going over with the Pinterest board of <laughs> US, UK or Irish style weddings you mightn't find what you're looking for. So how can you ensure that the style of the day visually is what you have in mind? Or can you? Um, Yeah, I think, again, I think it just comes down to that research. Obviously, if you like hire a planner, you can send them your Pinterest board and let it be their problem (laughs) Um, to to fix it for you. um, (laughs) And to find and to create that for you and find those vendors that will um, bring it to life for you. But if you are doing it yourself, again, it just really comes down to lots and lots of research. I would say, though, like, I mean, I wouldn't be sending... I, th- I think you need to take people at face value as well. I mean, if you're looking at somebody's Instagram ac- account and like their pricing is like perfect for your budget, but you're not sold on the style of, you know, uh, whether it's hair, makeup, floristry, whatever it is, if, it, if you're not really on board with what they're doing already, like that is what you are going to get. You're going to yeah. get a version of it. I wouldn't expect something different, you know. Um, so I think you're just better off kind of booking people that are in line with your own aesthetic from the outset rather than hoping for the best and probably being a little bit disappointed later on because people will try really, really hard for you. But like if they're just really good at a particular style or if they're known for a particular style, that's what they're good at. That's what other people hire them for. So, you know, that's what they will kind of naturally lean back towards. So I just think it's really important to do that that research again at the start and, and just book people that you have confidence in from the beginning rather than hoping that down the road they'll, you know, come to <laughs> and get on board with, get on your, board with your ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you're on a florist's Instagram page and there's like five bouquets in the top nine that you don't like, 
maybe they're not the one for 100%, you. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's that's yeah. where images and their own website and their exactly. social media accounts come in. You think you can get a good gauge on mm. whether they've got similar taste. Yeah, I mean, we've progressed so much. There are so many different styles available to everybody in every different country. It's just a matter of like taking the time to find it or to find that person that really matches what you want to do. Because you might have a florist who creates like really tight, dome bouquets and like somebody might love that it's just not your cup of tea but I don't think it's fair then to expect the florist to just completely change what they're amazing at doing just because I don't even know why you'd want to work with them in the first place to be honest if if it's not really something you're inspired by to begin with and obviously you would say it's okay if your planner comes to you with three local florists and you kind of say none of these are really right for me to go back to them and say listen I was actually thinking more this direction like I think it is worth putting in the effort with the planner to get really on the same page 100% and like even when you're deciding this from from the start I mean I would say like from every vendor like planner if you're starting with a planner you you have to like the work that they're doing already they will do their best to to, they, they want to to create a wedding that feels like you and that is you and your husband and your wa- or your wife and a wedding that feel like that when your guests walk into they know it's your wedding but every planner and, and every designer will have a certain style as well and you want to book them because you like that or it resonates with you or their work ethic resonates with you or you know there has to be a reason why you want to work with that person over somebody else and if you really trust them from the outset you know they will deliver for you they'll do everything they can to deliver for you but I'd be pretty disappointed if if you booked a planner and did all this research and you know sent them Pinterest boards for example and then they come back and present a photographer that has a totally different style to maybe the images that you've been showing them or a videographer or or a florist or, Mm. you know, any vendor, you know, they should be able to find the people that will support your vision pretty easily. Yeah, I think we have a lot of that Irish second guessing about being demanding (laughs) and knowing what you're asking for, but it's important to do. Yeah. You're spending a lot of money. Absolutely. My goodness me. You want to get the kind of bouquet that you want, basically. But there's um, nothing better than like Pinterest or Instagram, like anything visual is, you know, picture paints a thousand words. I always ask for pictures, 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 because I just want to make sure that, you know, what we're looking for for our client is going to be exactly what, you know, it's going to meet and exceed their expectations. Mm-hmm. So they might describe something to me and then they'll send me a picture. And I'm like, I did not get that. <laughs> you know, I'm so glad you sent the picture because now I really, really get it. Like, you know, or small things like, you know, oh, I love this flower. I have no, like, why would you know what the name of a flower is if you're not a florist, you know? Mm. But if you can find a picture of it or if you can find a picture of a bouquet, like, I'll know what the name of the flower is. The florist will know what the name of the flower is and, you know, we'll be able to make sure that happens for you or, or at least set your expectations. You know, it mightn't be in season, of course, but, you know, at least then point you in the direction of something similar that is. So mm. it's having that trust from the start that they're going to deliver what your dream wedding is. You're definitely spending enough money on it to get it right. So Yeah. And one question we get asked a lot from brides is about the hair and makeup. So obviously we've covered how to find the right people. Yeah. But then how do you navigate the whole trial thing and 
and getting it done in advance. Yeah, obviously, I mean, if, if you can ever go out to your destination location before the wedding, like even just to do a tasting, make a little mini weekend of it or whatever it may be and get all those little things done. You know, you should kind of put that into the budget if you can. Obviously, if you're kind of coming from the States and looking to get married in Spain, it's definitely not as easy trip as going from, say, uh, Dublin. But if you can kind of find a weekend to do those trials or do the tasting, you know, that would be the first preference for sure. But again, I'm kind of going on now like a broken record, but it definitely comes back to the visual and um, presenting your hair and makeup person with enough images of exactly what you want um, or very close to what you want is a massive help to that vendor but I would say you need to be a bit responsible as well and be realistic too I have definitely seen situations where a hairstylist has been given images of this beautiful flowy luscious um, (laughs) style of hair and you know the bride does not have similar hair (laughs) so they can only create you know you know with what they're given so to be realistic and then also again go back to what sort of work have they done before because if you're kind of looking for something a little bit more boho but they kind of specialize more in classical up styles they're not going to do boho very very well unless you can see them having done it before or you can go and have that trial so I think you just need to kind of set your expectations as well from the outset and be realistic you know and just keep searching until you find the people that are going to again create that look for you that, that you really desire on your wedding day and do you find many people bring hair and makeup with them from their home? Yeah, to be honest, actually, hair and makeup can be expensive in Europe. Certainly in Italy, I find it to be more expensive than here. So sometimes it is as cost effective to bring that person over. And sometimes they're delighted tra- to travel. Um, the arrangements that you make with them yourself, you know, it, it can vary. You know, some people are delighted to make a holiday out of it. But for a busy hairstylist or a makeup person, they're potentially missing out on two other days of work. So they are going to need to be compensated for it as well. So sometimes it does work out to be way more expensive. But again, when it comes to your list of priorities, how important is it to you that your hair and makeup look perfect for you and, and it is an important one because I think it's so important for a bride especially to feel like the best version of themselves on their wedding day and if they don't feel pretty the day of their wedding I mean that's a, such a shame <laughs> like after all the money spent on the dress and you know I mean so it, you know it is worth careful consideration whether you bring somebody over or not but mm-hmm. those vendors are available abroad it's just to find them and it's just to book them enough in advance Have you had brides let's say book their hair and or makeup person for the day before event so that they can get like a bit more of a rapport going on with the hair and makeup person they can get sort of a very last minute trial yeah for sure yeah if they're doing like a rehearsal dinner mm. they would have the person come the day before um, as well sometimes I know in one recent Italian wedding that we had like I mean the hair and makeup person travelled quite a distance even though they were based in Italy yeah. they still travelled like six hours to get to the destination where the wedding was on so they did come up the night before and they, they did the bride's hair and makeup the evening before as well which was, was great a, a great trial run but obviously we didn't want the bride to have similar hair and makeup to what she was mm. going to be having the, the following day but I suppose she just felt better about yeah how it was going to work out the following morning and you know they got on really well and you know that was that was wonderful but you no know, more than flying somebody over because that hairstylist and, and she was a hair and makeup person had to travel so far and essentially miss out on a day's work closer to where she lived the day before she did have to be compensated for it too so her, her fee was higher so yeah one way or the other you usually end up paying for it Likewise for photographers, I see like 
some photographers work across the world yeah and what way is that priced is it part of their package that they offer or is it a cost per night or how is that negotiated honestly every photographer is very different for sure what we mostly see is that they will have a destination wedding fee some photographers have their travel included in that and some added on at a cost so it just very much depends when we're working with a client and we're doing like say full service planning with them we would have a very good idea of what their budget is and would know kind of what's allocated towards say photography and videography for example you know if there was areas in the budget that maybe weren't such a priority where we could kind of steal some of the funds from Mm. to make sure that the person that they really want to come over can come over if that's the case there are amazing vendors locally so never forget that Mm. um But we do see a lot of people fly photographers over and it's for a number of different reasons. Like, for example, we have a lot of American photographers that come over to Ireland to work here. It's usually on our American weddings, though, and they'll have met the the couple in America for an engagement session beforehand. So there's already that relationship. It is definitely more expensive. But for our clients that have gone that route before, photography has been like one of their top priorities when it comes to their budget. And I suppose when we've worked with that photographer before, for example, you know, they've been able to see our work together. So it's one of the reasons why they seem to like the combo um, for sure. But they just are able to meet them maybe in the States beforehand for like an engagement session or, or a pre-wedding shoot. And, and they're able to speak to them really easily. And it works out really well, but it definitely costs more money to do that. You know, there's always going to be expenses. On a rare occasion, you know, we've known of photographers maybe to want to maybe break into that market, the destination wedding market, and they might reduce their regular fees to do that, to Mm -hmm. kind of have a destination wedding in their portfolio. But we don't see that that often. I certainly wouldn't expect it from a photographer so I wouldn't say go to a photographer and ask them can they do it no. for you know I mean it's not cool so um, like yeah to see that on Instagram it, exactly yeah. yeah I mean it's just it's always by chance and in terms of food and drink then I know you mentioned that in the case of a lot of destination wedding venues they will have a sort of all-in approach to drinks and mm-hmm. unlimited drinks for the weekend sort of might be a thing whereas it's not really a thing with venues here in the UK uh, we see a lot of destination weddings where the couple have obviously been very generous with food and drink and have tried to cover as much as possible is mm-hmm. that kind of standard practice when people are traveling very far or does it just depend I think it depends but it is certainly something very nice thing to do if you can mm. for your guests that have made the effort to, to be with you on your wedding day when it when it is taking time out of their lives and out of their holiday time it's obviously going to be more expensive for them too so anything additional that you can add on is always really really appreciated and a really really nice thing to do for your guests and I do think it's important to prioritize that in in your budget to do something a little bit extra than the wedding day it doesn't have to be anything massive you know could just be an excursion and it could just be organizing a bus into a city you know but you're helping them see something extra so it's always an extra gesture is always a really nice thing to do but in terms of the food and drink and we definitely find in Europe that the packages are different to here for sure or um, you can add on a drinks package really, really easily. It's usually preferred to a cash bar and it's price per head is just something that's very hard to say no to it. Um, it works out way better. Um, and it's just a really nice thing that your guests don't have to put their hand in their pocket once they land and once they've already gone to that extra expense. Adding activities or excursions or 
rehearsal dinner day two how much is too much or how much is too little because obviously you want to give people time to relax exactly and, yeah. and for are. a lot of people they're coming over on their holiday so they don't yes. want to feel like they have to keep doing what you want them to do <laughs> yeah. for the few days I think if, it, if you can add in at least one thing extra like either like a welcome dinner the night before or like a barbecue or something the next day that's great but give them a, a reason to stay for two nights or to travel for two nights or three nights or offer ideas on what they can do if they want to or opt in excursions I know I'm going on about my own wedding now again but for our wedding we did do a night the night before which to be honest was nearly more of a party than the wedding night (laughs) I didn't get to bed till 4am myself the night before my my wedding so uh, it was a great night so we had the pre-wedding barbecue we had our wedding day and then the following day we had like a pizza party as well so for the first two nights we had alcohol kind of included for the most part for the barbecue we had wine and beer and spirits and we kind of had that included in our package and kind of paid a little bit extra for it um, and the wedding day we had something similar but we had an open bar with spirits then into the small hours of the night and then on the third day we figured people probably would have had enough drinks so we just put on the pizza party and let people drink whatever they wanted themselves but on that third day as well we had a few options for people we had said like when we put out our wedding invitations that there was an option to go into Rome there was an option to go to the beach there was an option to go to the water park what would you like to do and when we were sending out our invitations I literally had an A4 sheet of like RSVP options uh, to come back in and it's something I do for all of our clients actually as well well for the most part is to make sure like we gather as much information as possible on the, at that RSVP stage but we just asked them um, were they interested in maybe going to Rome or maybe going to the beach or whatever they might like to do and you know maybe about 50 people said they'd love to go to Rome so we put on a bus to Rome they paid themselves I think it was a fiver ahead but it was organised for them which made it just too easy they could just hop on and collect them later on to bring them back to our pizza party and then the rest of people that you know really didn't want to go just hung by the pool all day or wandered around and you know enjoyed the venue that we were in so having an opt-in is a nice option too because you're kind of not putting people under pressure but you're also helping them have a really nice experience brought that's a great idea about the RSVP. I love that. Yeah. yeah little I'm, survey. I'm really keen on the RSVP, whether it comes back on paper now or websites are a great way to, to kind of gather yeah, information yeah. from guests. <laughs> totally. Even just flights and things like that, you can then kind of put on good bus services or help with transportation and that kind of thing. There's a little bit of extra handholding, I feel, when you go abroad, but it's worth it. Any tips then for transporting the bride's dress? If you're bringing it with you, which I'm sure most Yeah, I mean, um, airlines are usually pretty good nowadays. Actually, one of our recent couples or recent brides, you know, her experience coming home from New York wasn't as pleasant as uh, others we'd heard. Yeah, it was a little bit intrusive, but um, she still got through it and everything like that. So I would give yourself plenty plenty of time before going to the airport it's not always possible to ring ahead um, ring the airline ahead of time and if you do whether that information gets translated mm. down the line you know who whoever knows um, but for the most part the experiences are usually good for our couples I would if at all possible just get them to hand check the dress rather than let it go through a scanner and get all crinkled and everything like that you're probably going to need to have some way of steaming your dress when you land at your destination if there's space the airline will, might have a closet up at the front Aer Lingus sometimes have one available up at the front that you can kind of hang the dress or else they'll lay it across 
the the top cabin I don't really think it's necessary to book an, a seat for it but I would say always bring it on board with you never ever ever <laughs> put it in the holes um, and, and that's for bridesmaids dresses as well like bridesmaids tend to just throw them in their suitcases and not even consider what will happen if the suitcase doesn't land but it that actually happens quite a lot so anyone that's part of the bridal party I would say if you can carry it with you and have it as a priority top tip (laughs) (laughs) and obviously a lot of couples who are going abroad to places like Spain and Italy and South France are sort of thinking that they're getting like guaranteed sun but is a plan b for a rainy day still 100 percent yeah okay two days before my own wedding there was a massive thunderstorm my brother was diverted to Pisa airport instead of landing into Rome because the the storm was so bad and I know there was a wedding in our venue that day and like their outdoor ceremony couldn't be held Mm. outdoors because of the weather but we were going all outdoor (laughs) we were having an outdoor dinner everything like that I I kind of felt why would we go abroad and sit inside um, if the weather was nice so everything was planned for outside but it was a very real situation whether we were going to have this outdoor dinner or not but there was an indoor option and most wedding venues in Italy, France, Spain, Portugal, they will always have an indoor alternative. Be sure to check it out just in case. But unfortunately, for the last couple of years, we never bank on the weather now in in France and Italy in particular. Our last wedding in Italy in May, a pretty good weekend in May in Ireland. It wasn't so great (laughs) in Italy. So the outdoor dinner had to be inside. So we had no choice that day. And it's happened to us a couple of times where we've had to kind of figure out a plan B at the very last minute so I would definitely if you're looking at venues make sure you know what their their aim plan is and always hope for the best but do have something in place if for some reason the weather is just not playing ball another reason to have a planner <laughs> let <laughs> it be their problem yeah it's it's yeah it's their problem at the end of the day to to fix it and take that stress away from you so you mentioned you work a lot in Italy and France which destinations around Europe or around the world give you the most bang for your book? Oh gosh, that's a hard question to answer. I think it's similar in every country. It depends on the type of venue you go for and the location of it as well. But I would say Spain and Portugal probably have a better, slightly better price per head. Um, they're kind of very used to kind of receiving a packet holiday type client so they kind of tailor very well to that that market they have a lot more maybe like mainstream hotels offering great packages whereas like in Italy and France for example it tends to be more villas and uh, chateaus or or exclusive rentals over a weekend so you know you're kind of paying for everything at that stage you're playing for the house the caterers the rentals everything like that whereas I suppose when you go to Spain and Portugal you've a nice few options there in terms of kind of venues that can do everything in-house as well so the price per head is can be slightly less but it's much of a muchness and it does come down to the the venue and the area you go go to as well like if you want to get married in Sorrento you are going to pay way more than if you want to get married in Umbria even like the difference between Umbria and Tuscany they're quite close to each other you know they're right next door and the scenery is just as beautiful in parts of Umbria but you know it's cost slightly less to get married there just because Tuscany is so um so well known for the beautiful scenery and everything like that I suppose it has a few more airports servicing it as well it as well so um it is slightly higher in price point too the exact same way as it would be for Ireland I think you just need to look at the type of venue you want and and the actual location as well 
So we mentioned a lot there, Italy, France, Spain Mm -hmm. and Portugal, which are probably the most popular for Irish and UK couples. Are there any other destinations you'd recommend people to Well, Croatia is um, really popular as well um, and like a beautiful part of the world too. I would love to do a wedding in Montenegro, but I don't know how practical that is. There's no real kind of direct flights there. Malta is quite popular too. Where else? Yeah, I suppose Italy, France, Spain and Portugal are, are kind of, the main ones or the main kind of locations people tend to to go for certainly Irish and UK and uh, clients Americans love Italy and France as well and you have a lot of American couples coming to Ireland yeah we have a lot of American couples come coming to Ireland I suppose their own client base tends to be the Irish couple going to Europe or the American client coming to Ireland for their destination wedding so we're fairly comfortable in that space and, and kind of um, minding um, all the guests and everything like that, whether it's here or away. And sort of on that theme, then, if a couple is having a destination wedding and maybe there's someone in the family who is a bit nervous about it or they've maybe never been to one before and they just kind of keep asking a lot of questions and the couple gets the feeling that they've got a bit of anxiety around it. Is there anything you can say to the couple that they could do to sort of put their mind at rest we know that they will enjoy it when they're there they're there but that might not help them in the planning period where they're getting a lot of questions and comments I think you just have to have a little bit more patience in a situation like that um if it is coming from a place of anxiety you know just to try your best to make them feel at ease about it and equally make sure that they know they're under no pressure to go I suppose if it's an immediate family member that's obviously much harder um but a wedding website's a great thing to have as well where you can just put up so much information you know that you can constantly refer people to it um for some light reading (laughs) um (laughs) on the area And, and I think it's really important to get um family excited about where you're going and like kind of keep them included um, to a point in the plans and how they're unfolding so far because I suppose the more they know about the unknown the more comfortable they can kind of get with it yeah, I mean it is difficult if, if there's a fear of flying for example I mean that's really difficult one for people to overcome and I suppose that you can't really put pressure on somebody you know whether to go or not if, if, if they have a genuine fear of, of travelling but just be there in any way you can I suppose to support them I know it can kind of be a little bit stressful for you but I think there's always going to be stressful points in planning a wedding whether it's at home or abroad I mean if it was at home you'd only be getting questions about different things yeah. you what know so it comes the ceremony from, is exactly, that early yeah. enough isn't that very late <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> true story yeah you're never ever ever going to please everybody <laughs> Lindsay before we go is there anything that we've forgotten in our extensive list of questions <laughs> um, the only other thing I probably would touch on is you know if you have family coming from abroad or from somewhere else as well just to consider visas too it depends on where you're going of course and, and where, where people are coming from but you know we've, we've had one or two cases alright where there was a visa issue so just plan in advance for that as well don't just assume that because it's a wedding it'll be fine you know just to keep people well informed if they're coming from a place where they would normally require visa entry that still applies and we've had a couple of instance, instances um, where it has caused a hiccup or a little bump in the road and um, so just to be 
just be well versed in it that's all definitely yeah that's one you gotta keep in mind if you want everyone to be there on the day who's <laughs> RSVP'd want to make sure passports are in date oh yeah mm-hmm. I bet that happens more than you'd like <laughs> to <laughs> say mm-hmm, for sure <laughs> <laughs> naming no names but mm, <laughs> Lindsay that was so informative and so thorough thank you so much for helping us oh gosh thank you so much for having me thank you very much you can find out more about Lindsay and see her gorgeous work at houseofhannah.ie and on Instagram at houseofhannahevents. One fab day, listener dilemmas. Most engaged couples will find themselves in a sticky situation or two over the course of planning their wedding, whether it's caused by family drama, supplier issues or money problems. But don't worry because help is at hand. We answer a listener dilemma in every single episode and this week is no different. Now, Claire, I believe you have this week's dilemma in front of you, yes? I do, this person says. I'm getting married next year and I've picked my four bridesmaids, three super close friends and my sister-in-law. However, I'm not asking my quote-unquote best friend because we've drifted apart over the past few years. In the past, I went through a rough patch and I was very sick. During this period, I became quite withdrawn from life, friends, etc. But throughout those years, I discovered my true friends, those who stood by me, contacted me regularly and involved me in anything going on. But unfortunately, this didn't include the best friend. I rarely heard from her and she didn't offer a lot of compassion, which was quite upsetting at the time. She got married a few years ago and just had her sisters as bridesmaids. Despite all this, I can't help feeling guilty about not asking her. I'm petrified to tell her who my bridesmaids are in case she's really annoyed. Although we've drifted, we still get along and I will include her in some other ways at the wedding. But for now, I don't know how to bring up the fact that I'm not having her as a bridesmaid. Please help. Okay, so this, well, this person who's written in has obviously been really sweet and considerate of the quote-unquote best friend because she is already planning on including her in yeah. the wedding in some way which in fairness is maybe more than I would do <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> so there's kind of two ways you could do it right basically you can a not assume anything um not assume that she's going to even have a right to react badly and just mention it in passing yeah and just you know, breeze right past it. Uh, But it sounds like you're a little bit anxious about it. So maybe it might be better to actually have a sit down chat with her. Yeah, I think if you start by talking about your wedding plans and maybe say, and we'd love you to do a reading on the day, kind of implies you're not having bridesmaids. And then if there's any kind of reaction, you can maybe clear the air and just have a chat about who your bridesmaids are. And yeah, I don't think at all that she's going to be annoyed though I think people understand their role in your life and understand where they sit and definitely don't have too many expectations about it yeah and the fact that you weren't her bridesmaid I know you said it was her sister's I think that gives you even more freedom to not have to go the extra mile in breaking it to her per se you can just tell her and you know she should know from the way you explain it that and she should know anyway that she was not really in the running I'm sure she knows that already but Claire's tip about maybe coming up with the specific role that you want her to play the reading or whatever and starting with that is a really good one yeah um because she'll probably be really flattered by that because she'd be like oh wow okay um obviously this person really cares about me and wants to include me and she'll kind of be on a high from that so then if you do have to say oh and just so you're aware we have got a wedding party but it's this friend and this friend it will definitely soften the blow if there is a blow at all to soften yeah and I think it's important for us to say you have absolutely nothing to feel guilty about so don't feel guilty no it sounds like there are lots of things here that 
I would totally take as a good reason to not have someone in my wedding party not just what you mentioned about how she reacted to you in the past but the fact that you weren't at hers the fact that you're not texting every day I think you know you have a lot of good reason there to not include her so just know that and know that you've really really gone with your heart on this and rip that bandaid off like maybe try and arrange uh, to see her sometimes you can kind of just get that off your to-do list because I know you're probably stressing about it it'll go better than you think I think absolutely say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You know, it's funny. Some of us will never, ever find true love. You are the worst wedding singer in the world, buddy. Sir, one more outburst. I will strangle you with my microphone wire. You understand me? your non-wedding homework this week as much as we love talking about weddings we've created a whole podcast just to do more of it for crying out loud we're the first to admit that there's a limit to how much wedding chatter your brain can handle that's why in each episode we suggest an alternative to a night in with your spreadsheets selena what's your non-wedding related recommendation this week so this is a very easy one. It doesn't cost you any cashola, which should be good, good news. Um, so this is to go old school with your TV watching and make a rolling date to watch a TV show week by week. Love it. Not revolutionary, but it's something we're all doing less and less of these yeah. days. And actually autumn is a great time to do this one because loads of shows are returning or starting. And you can do it obviously with your partner. You can do it with a relative. You can do it with a pal. Um, even if you can't physically be there with them, you could make a little date to have like WhatsApp, watch along or whatever. I just think it's a great idea because there are so few excuses in modern life to have a date in the diary that's blocked off that, yeah. that is wedding planning admin free. And let's say if you know you're watching Bake Off with your mom every single Tuesday, you know, that's like a date that you've logged. That means that you can definitely say, okay, that's some self-care time that I'm giving myself. Yeah, definitely. I was going to suggest Bake Off. I think mm. that's, that's definitely my go-to for a weekly TV night. And also it comes with baked goods, which... Yeah, is ideal. As long as you're not having any stress with your wedding cake baker, as long as you've taken that <laughs> off yeah. your to do list, that's a good one to completely like wipe your mind of the wedding related stress. Yeah, that's reminded me I need to pick up some Swiss roll and custard on the way home. Oh, do it. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. And that's a wrap on episode 33 of the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please spread the word and recommend it to anyone you know who's engaged or a member of a wedding party or even a guest with a gifting dilemma. 
We also ask that you consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes if you haven't already. And make sure you're subscribed so you can get notifications whenever a new episode drops. If you've got a wedding related question to ask, a comment to share, or you just want to join in the conversation, you can do so by dropping us a line at hello at 15day.com or sliding into our DMs. We're at 15day on all the major social channels. And as always, don't forget to visit us over at onefabday.com. We've got dozens of brand new features on the site every week, including inspiring rare weddings, helpful planning guides and everything in between. You definitely don't want to miss it. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast.